On today's show, our guest is Mina Williams of Blanc and Rouge Wine Store in Snohomish. She's going to be talking about rosé wines. We'll talk about pre- and post-pandemic dining, where we've been dining out, and lots of openings like Tom Douglas locations and a new Brian Clevenger spot. We have some fun events from our calendar, too. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Uh, this is Casper Dernier. I'm the owner of Casper Special Event and Catering, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the August 2021 Seattle Dining Show, number 2108. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, Publisher and Owner of Seattle Dining. Arrgh. Ooh, a wolf call. Oh, yeah. I look good today. Is that for me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting ready for, I don't know, the UW season. Oh, began. yeah. Don't they have a wolf for their mascot? It's a husky. Oh, well, they look like wolves. Honey, huskies. <laughs> it's the UW huskies. I don't know. I saw a husky out in the street. And he's like, they kind of sound that way. All dogs sound a little bit wolf-like, maybe. I know I do. <laughs> I'm going to move on from this discussion. <laughs> I am thinking this month about the pandemic. I know we're probably heading back into mask-wearing season again, but... Um, oh, now it's becoming a season. Yeah, I'm calling it, it a season. must be the season of, of the, the COVID mask. <laughs> or is it the season of the wolf? No, yeah, see that? It all ties in. Uh. It all ties in. <laughs> now, I was thinking about what it's been like to be at home and go out in this off and on 18 months. So what did you miss most about going out during the pandemic? And you got to have something. You can't say, I love being at home. And I know you did. I did. (laughs) I really did love it. I I had to say I really loved being at home. What did I miss most? I guess, uh, oh, well, it was the social thing. Yeah, You know, when we couldn't go to our places where we knew people and were socially bound to them, I I think I missed that the most. It wasn't the food, I could tell Mm -hmm. you that, because uh, I'm already a fairly decent cook at home, and then I I actually notched it up a couple Mm -hmm. spots. So that was one of the things I loved about the pandemic. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you're getting that socialness back now? Or have things changed or have you well, changed? Well, yeah, things changed because one of my social outlets um, had a COVID-19 breakout amongst oh. the customers. And some of the customers got out of control. And uh, and they, they don't go back there anymore. They mm-hmm. can't go back there anymore. And so uh, that all changed. It's a lot of landscapes change in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways, but that was one way for me. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, of course, the landscape changing because we can't get enough servers yeah. over at the restaurants that we want to go to. So, uh, you know, so many changes. Yeah. You know, it's funny for me, I was thinking about this question, and you know what a food person I am. I love texture. I love flavor. I love the combination of flavors. Food is like my life. And yet when I was thinking about what I missed most about going out, it wasn't about the food either. Yeah. It was oh, about was it parking, right? It was Trying to parking. get a parking spot. I, I miss I miss struggling with that car. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. It was actually about drinking, which is funny cuz drinking is always secondary for me behind food. But we would go out and I'd always have a cocktail to start with. Yeah. And then I'd have wine with dinner. Yeah. And um we really didn't do cocktails much at home. We just kind of went right into wine. Well, that's probably because of my mantra that I started before the beginning of the pandemic, which was a lot less cocktails and yeah. and sticking to just Chardonnay and Cabernet here yeah. at home. And I ignored you while we were going out. But at home, it's easier to just do the wine. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, I, but I miss that. I that to me was you know i i love going out and it like you it's a social thing it's the environment it's being you know out and so having a cocktail was like fun well and it's funny you say that because certain friends of ours including matthew and david and mark uh they were all busy at home uh, concocting cocktails yeah. every day. Yeah. And, and we didn't do that. I think Matthew said he came up with like 300 cocktails. Oh, it's an enormous the, amount. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but, but because I was staying away from uh, aged barrel yeah. type liquor like that, I just, yeah. I wasn't there at all. Yeah. yeah. But like Matt, like you're talking about, he did the cocktail thing versus going into the food thing. And he was always a pretty good cook. Yeah. But he went into the, I mean, and he, not only did he start concocting drinks, but then he started making his own ingredients. Right. Making so, his own bitters. Yeah. And, so yeah. it's like what you did with food, he did with spirits. Yeah, he was doing he was doing cocktail prepping. Yeah. <laughs> cocktail <laughs> we were, prepping. We were doing food prep and he was busy doing <laughs> cocktail prep. I want to go to his house. <laughs> so what do you think was the best lesson you learned while cooking more at home during the pandemic? Hmm. Probably um, different ways to cook the same thing. So, like, I, I knew how to, to like, uh, barbecue a pork shoulder. Mm -hmm. But then, like, I was doing crazy stuff like bringing the wood chip bin into the oven yeah. with wet wood chips in it and, and putting it in the oven and making the pork shoulder that way mm -hmm. and realizing, you know, there's, like, five ways you can make a pork shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do it on a smoker. You could do it on a barbecue. You could do it in the oven. Uh, I haven't figured out the other two yet, but I will. <laughs> they're, they're there. I think one of the things I was thinking about was that I, I think the more you cook, the better you get at it. You know, and then you can make up your own stuff more easily because mm -hmm. you, you've got a feel for it. Um, uh, there was something else I was thinking about that I'm blanking on right now, but also... I really am one of those cooks who doesn't like to measure, and I feel <laughs> like I sh the lesson I should have learned, I'm not sure I've learned it, but the lesson I should have learned is that I need to measure because 
it's the difference between making something pretty good. Well, come on, it was like really a 14, good. 16 month pandemic. You didn't have time to learn that lesson yet. I, I, I try to not learn that lesson. <laughs> I don't want to measure. It's one of those things. I just like to throw things together. It doesn't work as well as I'd like. So, but I'm a stickler for measuring. You are. And then when somebody pops a recipe out and I look at it, I'm like, you're out of your mind. They're putting yeah. like, you know, four tablespoons of salt in for a, a recipe for four people or whatever, you know. You, you know, the one that always surprises me is you look at the amount of oil somebody wants to put in. So first of all, they're putting in something like canola, which is <laughs> yeah, horrible some for you. Yeah, kind of bad oil, And then it'll be like, use half a cup. And it's like, what in the world would you need half a cup of oil in that <laughs> recipe for? I don't know, but give me a couple of, of favorite things you made this year, this past year, one or two. That you uh, really okay, I'll give you two. Uh, my my Thai basil tomato soup, that was really oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny because I, I froze some of it and I put it into the freezer, but I didn't mark it. Oh. And I'm like the other day, I'm like, uh, hey, wonder what this is. <laughs> And you had I'll some have left. it for lunch. Ooh. And so I took this this non marked container out of something red, and I put it. I put. I let it defrost for a day in the uh, fridge. Which, by the way, folks, don't ever defrost frozen food like a soup or something or a chili. Uh, don't do that in the microwave because oh, yeah. you'll always wind up with a waterlogged yep. product. Uh, no, I let it do a slow defrost in the fridge. And then I took the lid off and I'm like, oh, this was that Thai basil tomato soup. <laughs> so mm, good. Yum. And it was so good. And, uh, you know, you could add a little oil to that, mm-hmm. maybe a little more cream. Uh, it was quite good. Mm-hmm. So, so that was that. one of them. Um, the other one was that uh, chicken, the kajab. Oh, yeah. Karaj. Garage, that's right. That was uh, make sure we're garage in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're both saying that wrong. <laughs> Almost positive. Uh, that was really good, and I still got all that oil because you know I, I used really expensive oil to make that with, and I froze it all. Yeah. And uh, no worries about freezing oil and 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 hoping the moisture doesn't come off it because there is no moisture yeah. in it. So. Or the moisture that's in it, you don't want in there anyway. So, so we'll do the carage again. Mm, so. Yeah, that was good. Well, I was thinking back about that pork loin with the strawberry merlot sauce oh, and yeah. the cauli mashed potatoes. The oh, that mashed was good. cauliflower. That was so good. And then we're having this again tonight. But about a month or so ago, I made a lamb burger, and that was so good. So we're having that again tonight. I'll be there. Yeah, so good. All right. So, do you want to talk about where we've been eating out? Oh, well, uh, we, uh, we, uh, no one invited us, so we decided to invite ourselves. So we took a little <laughs> ride over across the water, actually kind of around the water. And by the way, I do want to make a point right now mm. that uh, it's uh, 75 degrees, 78 as we record. Mm-hmm. The windows are open. So every once in a while, Kenmore Air yeah. is going to come in and share their sounds with our <laughs> listeners uh, even though they're not a sponsor yet, yet. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll be uh, buzzing back and forth out to the Puget Sound over our uh, air. Our uh, airspace? Yeah, our airspace here. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, if you're lucky, you might get a couple sirens or yeah. who knows. Anyways, uh, so we went out to the lodge at St. Edward's. 
and uh, wanted to kind of check out what was going on out there. Went out and had breakfast. And uh, I ordered uh, waffles with berries and some sausage. Did I get eggs? No. Oh, I don't think I got Mm-mm. eggs. Uh, who got the avocado toast? That was I did. you. And it had eggs on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then you got extra berries. And yep. then as it turned out, there, there were so many berries. berries on there, yeah. You wouldn't even have to order extra. I have to say their, their uh, amounts of things were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say this. Um, uh, I didn't find any magic in mm-hmm. the flavors of my waffles and berries and sausage. It was just sort of – was. I think it was a chicken apple sausage. I think it might have been, yeah. And uh, I, I wasn't getting any magic out of it. So you probably could have just made that meal at home yourself and even made it a little better. Mm-hmm. Be interesting your to... avocado toast had giant slices on it, right? Yeah, it was pretty thick toast. But the and and they didn't. Um, I don't believe they mashed the avocado. It was more like thicker slices or something, which I liked. But they didn't put like paprika or mm-mm, mm-mm. anything on it. They didn't make it wear a face mask. Or anything <laughs> oh, like thank that, God. So. Yeah, and it was interesting. It's not uh, at least for breakfast, and I don't. I'm assuming that was a weekend, not a weekday, but. Um, it was pretty slow. There weren't a lot of people. We went relatively early. There weren't yeah. a lot of people there, and it was very quiet. Yeah, we know, were outside. I would say if you want to go check it out, Now's it's the not time. a problem to go do it. And there yeah. wasn't very many people there when we went, and yeah. it was on a weekend morning. Yeah. So. And I've been hearing, we heard, we were out one night, and somebody whose wife works there said it's been so busy, the hotel. So we thought, boy, we're not going to have luck getting in. So um, maybe dinner is harder. And it turns out the hotel only has what eighty eighty rooms, something like that. I don't think it's. I don't, I th- you don't I think, think it was that much? No, it's it's like thirty or something oh, okay. rooms. So yeah, beautiful. They've done a beautiful job, and it is peaceful. I have to say, it is peaceful. Oh, it's right next to the beautiful. park. Yeah, and uh, and it's in the park space. So you you know, there's, every once in a while, jogger's going to come running by and yeah. whatever, but. Yeah, it's beautiful. Did a nice job. All right. Where else? Uh, Well, briefly, we went to the Blackbird Cafe in Shoreline Richmond Beach, which is basically the old Hills Hills restaurant. And, in fact, most of the menu items are the same. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why they changed the name. Well, they – I think they were only doing – no, they were doing lunch and dinner before, and now they do a whole breakfast thing, continental breakfast. and they do breakfast seven days a week? I don't know that. Oh, I just I know that know. they've added breakfast. Okay. And you have to order at the order when you go up to the counter, and it's not like a restaurant so much. It's much more casual. That's the way it is right now. I think once we once we get past the pandemic, they'll probably start doing table service. But, you know, um, <laughs> with so many – so many people scraping to get staff, that's probably the best way to do it yeah. right now. I think that's actually a good idea. They had just opened the bar, you know, because it was just after June 30th. Yeah, and you could order it. Yeah, we, we ordered it at the out. counter, but we found out we could have just ordered from the bartender. So, uh, And another place that I enjoyed food from, although I didn't actually eat at their restaurant because they don't have a restaurant, <laughs> have but one. they used to, was Smoking Pete's Barbecue. 
Uh, used to have a, a restaurant down in Ballard on 65th, around maybe 20th. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they just have a catering business that they run up on Aurora Avenue in Shoreline. And we ended up at an event last weekend, and they had ordered everything from Smokin' Pete's. The ribs were stunning. Yeah. They were really delicious. I don't know what the rub was. I kind of I kind of figured they added maybe just a little more paprika to mm. the rub. Instead of doing like a 25-25-25-25 brown sugar, paprika, salt, pepper, I think it was probably heavy on the paprika. Mm. Uh, and it was just delicious. I had the... Uh, um, the brisket, I wasn't crazy about the mm. brisket. Uh, but the salad, they made a salad with spring greens, uh, grapes, raisins, and feta. Yeah. And then uh, that balsamic, creamy balsamic dressing. Yeah. And man, I would I would eat that every day of the week. Yeah, that was that good. Was so good. Yeah. So yeah, where have you been? Like um Went to Rapport up on Capitol Hill, which is the first in the area to do the self-pour wine. So it's like they put the bottles in the in a refrigerated area, and they have uh, you can take you get a card when you go there, and you slide yeah. it in and choose one, three, or five ounces, mm-hmm. and uh, pour your wine. So you can taste a whole bunch of stuff. Um, Those are fun places. And the first time we ran into that was in Wallace, Idaho. Of all, of places. all places, I know, crazy. And this is really nice. They also had one section that was, I think it's like 4 to 6 p.m. is happy hour. So there are happy hour wines that are 20% off. 4 a.m. Um, to 6 p.m.? That's pretty 4 good. 4 p.m. to 6 uh, p.m. Uh, I know you want it uh, to be over 24 hours, but it's not. <laughs> but it's very fun. I would caution you that the fun for me, I thought it would be really fun to try several things. And then, you know, I wanted to try three or four things and then decide what glass of wine I wanted. But honestly, the ounces are like two seventy-five. You, it, it, it could creep up on you. The so cost could creep up on you. 275 no matter – like if you had three ounces, it was three times 275? No, it was like the, the three ounces was 375 or 475, depending on the okay, wine. So the price went down as you went up in your volume. Exactly. Okay. You could pay 1250 for a full glass of wine if you wanted to because there's a, a wide range. Hmm. So you just have to be aware of it because it would be really easy to start having fun and suddenly end up with this huge bill. But that might be your point too, you know, just to go out and have fun. We were there accidentally at happy hour, so we ordered off the happy hour menu and they had a flatbread and they had several things and all of it was fine. It was um, pretty good. Uh, the chef is Mike Law, who used to be at Bourbon and Bones and a couple oh, yeah. other places. He's a southern guy. And so, um, you know, and they also are a place that do, because it was a coffee shop before this, they uh-huh. felt that they had a, a community thing going that they didn't want to take away from the community. So they do coffee, and he does biscuits and things like that. You know, in the morning, and then yeah, if he's southern, you could do like a chitlins and chardonnay, right? Oh, yum! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to zoom right by that because that is not a good idea. <laughs> um, anyway, it was it was good food. Oh, I know what I was going to say was that they also do a three course experience, which I believe is forty five dollars. So you have to res- make reservations for that. You don't otherwise. But if you want to come in and have a three-course meal and stuff like that, then you can reserve that. So they've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. They have an outdoor area around um, and then the indoor 
uh, area too. So, and you know, you were talking about staff, and that's another thing. If you get people serving their own drinks, you don't need as much staff. That's true. So that that's working for them yeah. too. Then I had done a story that's up now on Seattle Dining about the Fantang Asian Cafe, and mm-hmm. I actually went out there um, and had lunch one day, and it was really good. It's it is different than what you're used to for Chinese food, and this is a married couple who were architects. And they decided they ju- they were from two different provinces in China, and they decided that they just felt like people didn't really know what good Chinese food was, you know, because it's it's healthier than than you often find here. Yeah, um, if you if you live in Seattle, it's hard to know what good Chinese. Yeah, food so is. and this is out in Kirkland in the Houghton neighborhood, and uh, and it was good. We really enjoyed it. I. Uh, the only thing I would say that I wasn't crazy about, and this is just a personal preference, it's not that it wasn't good. They have uh, some dumplings, which is what I mainly ordered, and they were great. And then they had a dumpling soup, and the soup is bone broth. So if you're really into that bone broth, which is kind of supposed to be a healthy thing, and uh-huh. um, you will love it. But it was it was a little too intense for me hmm. to have the just the bone broth. Hmm. But it was the same dumpling, and the dumplings were killer. So the, 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 the dumplings in the soup were wrapped in a dough or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Like wonton. So they could finish cooking. Yeah. And uh, they, um, their garlic green beans were... Uh, the person I was with kept saying, man, these are, this is addictive like candy. I can't stop on these uh, things. They were really good. Interesting. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? We're, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about what we've been cooking at home. Sounds good. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality that Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in the adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information. Hi, this is Chad, and I live in Shoreline, but I love to go down to Seattle and dine at the Harvest Vine. This is Russell Lowell, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. So what have you been cooking at home? You know, I think since the uh, lifting on June 30 for the, of restrictions, I've been not cooking as much as home or I've been cooking things I've cooked before. So the two things that I thought I'd bring up today was we go to a friend's place for a 4th of July picnic extravaganza thing. And the thing I always take is watermelon bites. And you cut watermelon into little squares and then div it out a little hole, and put a mix of shallot, feta, and mint in it. And it's so refreshing, especially on a hot day. It's really delicious. Who, who gets to eat all the circles out of the little squares? I saved them, and I ate them later. <laughs> I did. You're sneaky. <laughs> um, the other thing I made, I had some friends over for dinner the other night, and it's all stuff I've made before and, and mostly what we've talked about before. But I, one of my... Neighbors is a boozy milkshake fanatic. And I went out and looked 
at a bunch of recipes, and my God, some of them were, you know, six to eight ingredients, and I'm like, I don't think so. So I used Alden's Vanilla Bean Organic Ice Cream, a little bit of whole milk, and Bailey's. Mm-hmm. Delicious. You had, I made it. one for you Yeah, the night after. And it I was, had my boozy coffee every weekend. That's right. It's so Just good. Just a shot of Bailey's. Um, the the first time I had a boozy milkshake was at Cutter's. I'm thinking 20 or 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. And th- I, I am sure, my memory is telling me there were two kinds of liqueur in it. And I don't remember what it was. But the Baileys alone well, Kahlua fine. is a common one. Yeah. In a boozy milkshake. Yeah. And a Baileys. Probably a little Frangelico might go a long right. way. And we talked to a friend of ours who's a bartender, and she was saying, oh, you could do stuff like put some mocha in it, some chocolate, and then do peppermint schnapps or, you know. Oh, yeah. So there were, there's a lot of good ideas out there, and it doesn't have to be hard, you know. Hmm. So those are my two really important home meals. Well, let's see. What did I do? Um, I concocted a chili recipe. We talked about it last month, on, but we hadn't eaten it. We were smelling it as it cooked last month. Yeah. And it was based on kind of taking the basic Texas chili recipe and combining it with the Mexican chili recipe. And it was quite good. Mm -hmm. We had some chocolate in there and lots of nice spices. You know, typically I would prefer to make a recipe with 10 or less ingredients. Uh, but for for something like chili, you've got to go for the spices. So you you end up with I think I think this one had twenty two ingredients wow. in it. But it wasn't like you had to prep a whole bunch of stuff. You just yeah. had to combine, you know, some cinnamon and some yeah. cumin. And a lot of that stuff paprika you have at home and all that stuff is it's in not the, really unusual. Yeah. So yeah. we did that um, summer pizza, and then I made a summer pizza, and it was quite good. I just bought a pre-made pizza dough Mm -hmm. and it had uh, uh, tomato sauce which you can basically take a marinara sauce you want to make see now we're getting to tips and tricks yeah i think we've actually talked about this one before on tips and tricks but you can um take marinara and uh put it in a put a paper towel in a sieve and then pour in a cup of marinara over that and let that paper towel soak up all the moisture and make a nice thick pizza sauce. So I did that, and I had some corn on it. I had some sausage on it. Mm-hmm. And when I pulled it out of the oven, uh, I put some arugula over the top. It was quite good. It was good. And you know what? Because it was a thin crust, it wasn't overwhelmingly like too much. It wasn't a heavy pizza. Yeah. Oh, we put some sausage on there, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And some mozzarella cheese. Mm-hmm. So uh, nice, nice summery pizza, not not too filling, not a bunch of airy, fluffy dough, mm-hmm. just good stuff. Yeah, I liked it. Well, we've been drinking at home. What a surprise. Who does that? I don't know. A couple of us, you and me. <laughs> um, the two that I had sorted out, and I'm sure at this point we don't remember them at all, but one we had was an Irath Pinot Gris, nine ninety nine on sale at QFC. So we saved five dollars. It's normally fourteen ninety nine. Um, my feeling was it was fine. It was not 
something really special. Um, but as my other neighbor, I have great neighbors, my other neighbor would say, it was quaffable. It was quite quaffable. <laughs> so um, do you remember that one? Yeah. It was It was what I expect. Yeah. I've, I've had it numerous times. It's good. Okay. Then we had a Vino Pinot Grigio by Charles Smith, eight ninety nine on sale at QFC. So we saved $4 on that one, normally twelve ninety nine. I thought it was light and crisp and really good. And as we always say about him, he knows how to make a good wine. Yep. If it says Charles Smith somewhere on the label, I'll buy it. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I had a Robert Mondavi buttery oaky chardonnay Ooh. you know if you said buttery oaky like 10 years ago everybody jump back yeah i don't know no, terrible but um quite good it had plenty of malolactic in it and i uh i i have the advertising campaign that is going to make this thing is just going to knock it out of the park. I mean, you won't even be able to buy this once this advertising campaign. <laughs> about it's it's uh, it's it's just, basically three simple lines. It's a, it's buttery, oaky for whenever it's smoky. <laughs> now they have to have it three now, months out of the year. They'll be selling it by the case when they hear that one. <laughs> Especially when the smoke season gets here. Yeah. Remember the smoke season. The one that started in 2016 and never ended. Oh, Ooh. my God. I hate that there's a smoke season now. Yeah. So, anyhow. Gosh. Uh, we could... Do you want to skip to the calendar and just do our few calendar items? Sure. Let's go through the calendar, and then we'll come back and do the newsletter. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. First one we got is the Whiskey and Wild Bites. At the Woodland Park Zoo. I mean, where else are you going to get a wild bite in Seattle? Uh, I know. It's got to be the Woodland Park Zoo. This is going to be August 8, 12, 19, and 26. Seattle chefs paired with whiskey tastings. Got to be 21 and over. It's $95 per person before fees. Yes. Uh, it does include six tasting tickets, two beverage tickets. I don't understand that. No, you get... Tasting tickets for the whiskey, oh. and then two beverage tickets for a full pour of beer or wine. Okay, got that. Uh, additional tasting tickets can be purchased for all of you who need to do that. <laughs> uh, wander through the zoo and taste four different bites. Wow. So like mm. over the tiger den and have <laughs> some monkey brains? Uh, or chicken. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the, zoo, the zoo website show it'll show you what distilleries and chefs will be there on each date. So, of course, uh, that would be the right time to tell you to get to the zoo website. Connie has it listed in our calendar section on Seattle Dining. You're just going to go to seattledining.com, click on the calendar link, and we update it throughout the month. But uh, that link is already there. Exactly. Then Tom Douglas is doing Grilling for Good on August 7th from noon to 3. It's $100 per person. You can enjoy a meal of Bristol Bay sockeye salmon or a double-cut pork chop, fruit, veggies, and a chocolate crunch for dessert. And 100% of the money raised goes to Food Lifeline. Yeah, it's because he doesn't need any because he just got a whole bunch of money through the government. Yeah, but I bet he still but wants some. But he needs some. that money. We know he does. 
continuing on with the Tom Douglas thing, <laughs> we've got a Prosser Farm dinner at Sirius Pie. Uh, if you're not hip to this, uh, Tom and his wife Jackie have a farm out in Prosser where they grow many of the vegetables and probably some fruits. Lots of ingredients used in the cooking at his restaurants here in Seattle. Uh, there will be actually be two of these, August 7th three. and oh, three, August 7th, September 11th, and September 25th. Uh, they're going to happen from 6 to 9 p.m. Price is going to be $160 per person. We don't know if that includes tax and grat or not. Probably not, since money's going to... Food lifeline. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Cross and Chef Dev Patel will make a five-course meal from the Tom Douglas Prosser Farm. I know. And this is good news, although if you don't have tickets, I'm sorry. But Sunset Supper at the Market, the annual summer fun party, has sold out. It's on August 20th, so... You know, there's always that fear right now that people aren't ready or that, you know, in-person events aren't going to work. They're working. It's already sold out. Ah, good. Yeah. Good. I'd like to hear that. Uh, the Shindig is happening August 27th at 6 p.m. and also on August 28th at 5.30 p.m. It'll be held at the Yellowhawk Resort in Walla Walla. If you've not heard of the Yellow Hawk Resort, it is the old Basil Sellers facility. And we have a August article coming up about okay. Yellow Hawk, so you can read about it there. This is a new event highlighting Walla Walla as a premier food and wine destination. Well, I, I, I think they're getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, It's going to be $200 per... Oh, no, $200 for both evenings yeah. or $79 for the August 27th and 149 for the August 28th. Now, let me guess. The tomahawk steak is not on the August 27th. Right? <laughs> Probably not on either one. Uh, August 27th is going to be an evening reception with bites and paired wines, and the August 28th is going to be the Grand Gallop event featuring dinner, dancing, auction, Benefiting the Blue Mountain Community Foundation. And a lot of it, there's also money going to the Enology, Viticultural and Enology Center. So, Okay. Yeah. So that's the calendar. That's what we've been cooking at home. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back with the News Bites. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Lenny. I live in Beacon Hill, and one of my favorite restaurants is Parasol, but it happens to be in Retton. Hi, this is Phil Klein with Natchez Heights Vineyards, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show. We've we've 
talked about all kinds of stuff, but now it's time to talk about the news bites. And you can keep up with our news bites as they happen by reading the news bites column at seattledining.com. Just click on news bites. It's like we have a website for everyone. Amazing. Well, this is, I think uh, today's show is, should be dedicated to Tom Douglas because I've got more on him. Um, he's planning to reopen the Carlisle Room in mid-August, and then Lola will follow along in the remodeled and partially reopened Hotel Andra. Lola's going to open slowly, doing a continental breakfast for hotel guests only in the beginning, and once they get staffed up, they'll open more fully. And the Dahlia Bakery is also open and is now a sit-down cafe. You remember how small it was before. Yeah, I wonder if they took over part of the... Uh... They took Dahlia and, and split it between Sirius Pie and Dahlia Bakery. Oh, okay. So that's how they got more square footage. Yeah, there. yeah. Interesting, though, because the bakery was always on the the side that butted up against Dahlia Lounge. Mm-hmm. So they must have had to reconfigure all oh, yeah. that. I'm sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chef Brian Clevenger, his, you know, he's the the guy who's opened a number of neighborhood places really focusing on pasta, seafood, and veggies. So he's opened a new restaurant called Autumn on Finney Ridge. And the chef is going to be Nick Chiaro, a former sous chef at Canlis. And that's going to be at 6726 Greenwood Avenue North. So wow. that's the neighborhood. That's kind of close to you. So Yeah, that's uh, up the street from the zoo. And on the east side of the street, I'll okay. have to stick my head in there next time I walk in the doggies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's so, a couple. So the... if it's called autumn, does that mean that it's all going, only going to be like squash and stuff? <laughs> yeah, I don't or? think so. I have no idea. I can't even come up with something. I was going to say oh, it's probably his new girlfriend, but then that would indicate that he's divorced and he's not as far as I know. So it wouldn't be a good joke. Well, everybody else is. So. Yeah, we just have Tom Douglas. He's yeah. not divorced. Yeah, but that's because she lives in Prosser. <laughs> <laughs> and it works for you and me, too. So well, what can I'm we not say? divorced from you because we never got married. <laughs> we never lived together, so it works. So, All right. Yeah, so we're, we're going to have to go check that out. Yeah, there's a couple things in the North End, which is interesting. So I'm glad that's happening. Um, Jackson's Catfish Corner has reopened. And, of course, this is in the South End. But it's run by Terrell Jackson, whose grandparents opened it in 1985. This has been one of those places that's open, closed, you know. It's been iffy, and he's got it back open, which is great. And it's at 7216 Rainier Avenue South. Do they serve catfish? They do. And hush puppies. And it's a southern southern kind of place. Huh. People were so excited to have it back. It's been kind of a... Iconic place. I went to one place one time. I ordered the Hush Puppies, and they brought me about these old baby shoes that were covered in, like, a flower that had been fried. I was like, (laughs) no, that's not the Hush Puppy I was thinking of. Not those shoes. Remember those shoes? Hush Puppy shoes. And they always had that basset hound on it, that ad. Anyway, Chef Brandon Marie is now in the kitchen at Crumbie Sandwich and Spirits in Fremont. He was formerly a chef at How to Cook a Wolf. So they've got sandwiches like steak, carnitas, salumi, crab cakes, sardines, baba ganoush, mortadella, a veggie sloppy joe. They also have uh, roasted corn salad, ahi crudo, steak tartare, a shellfish bowl. So 
That seems like that might be kind of interesting. That's at 709 North 35th. So if you're jogging right now or you're out doing yard work and you don't have a pen and a paper, you're going to want to look at the News Bites column on SeattleDining.com and start to map out your field trip to all of these new places. Because remember, we've been talking about doing something new every month. So there's some some things here we're going to have to check out. Yeah. There's a new Douai Cucina. They already have ones on Capitol Hill and Kirkland. This is their third spot, and it's on Roosevelt at 1205 Northeast 65th. It's always been about fresh pasta and bread, but apparently this is a much larger kitchen, and they're expecting to do more offerings. So we'll see how that comes about. Then we have a Niku Niku Japanese barbecue offering Wagyu and other marbled cuts of beef that you cook at your table. That opened in the Asian Food Center. This is another one that's up by you, 13200 Aurora Avenue North. Do I cook this myself or do I hire a hooker in from Aurora to come in and <laughs> cook it for me? Only if you want to pay. First for her and first, second for the food. <laughs> now this is how <laughs> you like that one. <laughs> Because there's an abundance of hookers on Aurora right now. There so. are so many hookers on Aurora, I ran out of fingers and thumbs. Oh, honey, that doesn't sound good. No. That, no, I mean, that just doesn't sound good. Um, here's another one in the North End. The Sunflower Garden does Chinese takeout and lunch specials Tuesday through Friday in North Seattle. And that's on 10410 Greenwood Avenue North. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I know where you're talking about. That's yeah. uh, over where the uh, little A1 Smoke Mart and stuff is. Oh, yeah. So in there. So that uh, they do a lot of stir fries and some starters. And they've got soup and things. Huh. We have quite a field trip coming up We here. do. Now, here's another one. And I don't know the answer to my own question, which is, is this a hotel restaurant or somebody who's come into the hotel? But the Pan Pacific Hotel in South Lake Union finally has an official restaurant, the South Lake Kitchen and Bar. Remember, this is where John Howie Seafood. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is that where it was? Yeah, Sea Star was in there. Right. Um, so they do steak, salmon, pork chop, mushroom polenta, cheeseburgers, fried chicken sandwiches. So all over the, you know, it's a hotel place. So mm-hmm. they got to make everybody happy. So that. I wonder if we need to send Ronald over for that or oh, just yeah, he go lives down right and there. meet Ronald for dinner there. Yeah, we should. He lives right there. Our he probably Ronald knows about Holden. it. Yeah. If he hasn't already written about it. Um, and the LaCoin, you know, closed for uh, projects that needed to be done. And they had stayed open throughout the pandemic. I think they were beat as well. But they are now fully reopened uh, with their regular hours. So that's good to have them back. Hmm. And then uh, San Michelle Wine Estates was sold to Sycamore Partners. Now, this is supposed to be finalizing the end of this year because, you know, there's a lot of paperwork with a sale like this. But oh, yeah. Sold to Sycamore Partners, which is a private equity firm. And that brings up Ronald again because, remember, Ronald wrote a story for us about why bad things happen when private equity firms buy restaurants. Mm-hmm. So we hope it's not true for uh, Sam Michelle. But we know in the case of Sam Michelle that the debt load was more than they could handle, and that's why they had to. Yeah. Kind and they, they had lost out. money in the last few years, which is interesting for something so huge and so beloved. Yeah. I don't, I don't really understand all that. That's why I've still scratched my head about the new tasting room over in Kirkland that they opened yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even throw that one in, but we did go check that out, too. Mm hmm. 
Um, and, and just since we're talking about it, the reason they did it was they wanted a place where they had all a lot of their wine wines that are under different names that yep. people don't even know belong to Saint Michel. That and they you can get actually taste them already all offer all that six the, miles away in, in Woodville. Yeah, it's interesting. They did say <laughs> that if, my head. if it all pans out, you know, and it, it's a, something that works, then they're um, going to consider doing other neighborhoods, which I think would be nice in neighborhoods without things like this. But there are other tasting rooms in Kirkland, and but yeah. we'll see. We'll yeah, see. look at all the stuff that's going on up here in Greenwood, man. Open yeah. up right here in Greenwood. Yeah. That's what they need to do. <laughs> Well, this is a sad one to me. Terry and Kathy Rotoro are closing Luke in the Madison Valley as of August 31st. They'd been there 11 years. That amazes me. Um, well, Rovers was there for like yeah. 30, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Terry does long-running things because they're good. But it was just a pandemic, another pandemic fail, you know, or a pandemic fail, as you say. And I don't imagine that they want to run two restaurants and they're just happy running one right yeah, now. Yeah, they still so. got Lule downtown. So, um, And then, interestingly, Stanford's restaurant and bar is opening a fifth location. Um, this is going to be in Tacoma, 1502 Pacific Avenue, and that's going to open in October. So this is the new company that yeah, is... Ascend uh, Hospitality. What's it called? Ascend Hospitality. Oh, Okay. Well, that's interesting. So they're taking the Stanford name and they're running with it. Yeah. I only know of two Stanfords. I know of the one in uh, South Center and the one in Northgate. Yeah. And I think they are out of the state, I think. Like Oregon. Or Idaho or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So that's my – those are my news bites for the month. All righty. Well, we will take a break, and I don't know about anybody else, but it's summertime, and it is time for Rosé, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Rosé. Excellent. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today. Hi, I'm Danielle. I live in Ballard, just moved here from Orlando, Florida. One of the restaurants I love so far is Bitterroot off Ballard Ave. It's got... Phenomenal smoked barbecue foods, really southern. It was delicious. Hey, this is Christopher Chan, the host of Happy Hour Radio, and right now you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Back on the Seattle Dining Show, I'm Tom Marin, the back of the house. And I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house. And we have a special guest in the studio. She drops by from time to time. If you listen to the show with any regularity, you've probably heard her before. All the way from Blanc and Rouge Wine Shop in lovely downtown Snohomish. 
Mina Williams is joining us today to talk about rosés. Hello, Mina. Hello, Tom. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah. I was going to say when he said you drop by occasionally that we never ask you. You just show up with wine and we always let you in. Yeah, that's why. I, 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 we never turn you away. I it's that. a door opener. <laughs> I have met so many nice people. <laughs> Well, we are going to talk about rosé today, and you have brought four examples for us. Four lovely examples, just to keep me on track. Yes. (laughs) We can go off the rails sometimes. So, do you want to ask some questions? I was going to... Tell us a little bit about rosé. How is rosé made? Rosé is the product of not letting the grape skins sit with the juice for too long. There's um, an Italian rosé that uh, we carry at the shop called 11 Minutes. Mm. That's how long the skin has contact with the juice. Oh, wow. And it turns out to be a beautiful light pink, like a little girl's satin ribbon. Oh, wow. It is just a beautiful color. Um, and fun fact, <laughs> we will probably be seeing an awful lot of 2020 um, rosés coming out of Washington State in the coming vintages. And this is a difference because? Well, if you keep the, the, wine, the skins from the grapes mm-hmm. away from the juice then that not only color, but any flavors that might have happened during a fire. Oh, would go away. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So we might be seeing, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be a fun year if it happens. Yeah. Um, but some extraordinary producers doing rosé for the first time. Oh, wow. That would be interesting. So I'm really excited about Look it. Look at how that, how that climate change controls what kind of wine they're making <laughs> yeah. now. And now, see, because mine is positive about it, it's going to be, let's do more climate change. We'll get cool wines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now, so there's a, really a wide range of colors, though. So is that just... From people who make it and leave the skins on longer. Is that what? That, and it just depends on the color of the skin. Oh, okay. Like a Syrah yeah. is definitely darker than a Pinot Noir. Okay. Okay. So, and then it depends on countries and regions because everyone wants to add their little flair yes. to their wine. So it's something that might be added in or. No, it it would be either skin contact or a varietal. Oh, okay. Okay. I love to add my little flair. Ice. (laughs) Ice. (laughs) That kind of dilutes the color and the flavor. Yeah, we'll have to get him some of those little marble balls. Yes, yes. That cool things down but don't. Well, you know, if you don't want to dilute your wine, what you do is you freeze grapes. And then you can yeah. put the frozen grapes oh, yeah. into your wine, although I'm told don't eat the grapes after. I don't know if it's an issue with food poisoning or something that might occur as they, as they chill back down. Might be a dental commentary. <laughs> mm. Yeah. They probably break a few teeth if you do it too soon, huh? Yeah, could happen. <laughs> Tom made us a little eggplant pizza bite thing. 
so to go with the rosé. So we'll as you listen the recipe. to us, yeah, as you listen to us chewing, don't be alarmed. <laughs> it's quite good. It's delicious. Yeah, it is. I always like it when someone cooks for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if they cook well. True. If Other don't cook well, yeah, you're swallowing <laughs> mouthfuls. It's whole. <laughs> So now, are is, we going to talk about what we're tasting here the first yeah, time? Yeah, I have one you, more you're question. You're still going through the surface here. I just have one more okay. question. Except I think I might have just forgotten it after that. But um, Oh, uh, is are there places in the world where more rosés are made? Like, is there a country that's sort of known for it? Is it just everybody makes, almost everybody makes a rosé? Well, almost everybody makes a rosé. Um, but the first wine that we have is from the cradle of Rosé land, mm. Provence, oh. south of France. So um, I, the four wines that I brought today are kind of a progression of Rosé's dominance in the wine world. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so the first one is Bellany, and it's by Mirabel, which is a noted lovely producer from Provence okay. and throughout the south of France. So what do you think of this one? I like it. I like it. What do you like about it? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not too sweet. It's not too dry. It doesn't, you know. It's a Goldilocks wine. Walk around wine. with you after you don't drink it for a while. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It kind of gets the back of my tongue. And it goes nice with... Um, the eggplant pizza that we're having has a tomato sauce, eggplants, basil, and mozzarella cheese. And crust-free. Mm-hmm. There's no crust, yeah. It's all, I guess you call it vegan, huh? Yeah, it's a slice gluten-free. of eggplant with all this on it. Yeah. And, uh, and it goes really nice with it. And I was, I was kind of wondering, if I do this eggplant pizza, how's that going to work with the acidity of the tomato sauce? And this is working really well. It matched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really matched. Um, that's the glorious thing about rosé. It's like a chameleon. Mm-hmm. It can go with everything. It can be enjoyed throughout the year. I think rosé is killer with a leftover turkey sandwich. Not that the sandwich is left over, yeah. but the turkey. <laughs> From um, th- your Thanksgiving feast yeah. or Christmas time, um, and it's light and refreshing. Mm-hmm. So when you're in those hot, stuffy rooms at Grandma's house, because yeah. she keeps the temperature at 85. <laughs> God, we're getting there. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> um, Rosé serves as a nice palate cleanser, refresher. Um, it's just a happy little wine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't try to be something it's not. Yeah. And it's it, this, to me, has quite a bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes really light rosés can be very refreshing and lovely, but you're not getting a lot. We call it French water. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> On the Patan Court. <laughs> the good kind of French water. Yes. Um, yes. I have a question now. Uh, what's the difference between a rosé and something like a white Zinfandel? Is, uh, it's the same process making it, right? Same process, different grapes. Okay. So rosé so, is always made from a particular grape? Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but white Zinfandel is always made from a Zinfandel grape. Right, okay. right. Or it can't, it'll be called rosé. 
Is there a difference in how long you leave the skins in? That's up to the winemaker. Yeah. About how how long they want to do that, um, and impart whatever flavors those skins have. Every varietal is different um, and treated differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this does go really nice with the little pizza bites. Yeah. So the other thing, besides being versatile about rosé, is that it is being produced around the world. Mm. And we here in Washington have total access to these wines, which is glorious. Mm -hmm. And they're even here, unlike the champagne. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Had another bad phone call this morning. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Another container. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Can't get out of France. So, um, so I'm I'm thinking that a lot of people might be shifting to sparkling rosés. Yeah. Um, for birthdays and holiday celebrations. Yeah. There's a lot of so. sparkling wine around this area, though. Yeah, we do like our bubbles. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the consumption numbers recently, but I think. Washingtonians are definitely putting a dent in the inventory levels. Did you, have you tried yet any, I mean, it just came out, the new sparkling wine from Yellowhawk Resort? No, I haven't. That'll be interesting to see. But it's, yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of the Oregon producers are putting out their first vintages of sparkling. Um, We have a couple new ones in Washington that are just starting to come online. Um, it you know it, I think the winemakers just might must really like sparkling wine, <laughs> yeah, or they see the market for it. Yeah, and there there haven't been that many historically in the Northwest, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a fun change. Yeah, Traveri's kind of been out there on their own, haven't they? All on their own. Yeah, <laughs> we were just there uh, last month in June, and boy, did they. They had some great hospitality. We had such a good time. And what a beautiful facility. When you get tired of driving uh, from Seattle to Yakima and points Mm -hmm. east, stop at Trevari. They They had popsicles. Really? Wine (laughs) popsicles? Wine popsicles. Yeah. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Hope Uh, hope State Patrol didn't catch anybody for having popsicles in their car. (laughs) They were too melty. Yeah. <laughs> they never got to the car. It was yeah. It was just a glorious afternoon. It's so. a beautiful place, and they do. Uh, it's a little different too because they do have tables inside that they bring the tastings over to you. Yeah, and we were outside. Oh, outside too. And yeah. the um, we did that at Blanc and Rouge. Also, it was a COVID precaution, mm, mm-hmm. and I think it makes people feel a little special. Actually, and they were doing it. The last time I was there was two years ago, probably, oh, okay. and they were doing it then. And and I did it at, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the winery. It always made me laugh because it's such a beautiful place in Napa, but it's owned by Coca-Cola. But it was like you would take a gondola up. Oh, Sterling. It, Sterling, yeah. And it was a, a regular restaurant almost looked like mm-hmm. they had round tables and you'd go sit and you'd order off a menu of what you wanted to taste and then they'd bring it yeah that's that's quite a special experience yeah so, so it does make you feel yeah makes you feel happy yeah loosens your purse strings a little bit too. oh yes oh yes 
So back to our chameleon yes. rosé. Um, we talked about how it goes with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had it with steak. Mm. You know, it's just kind of, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's glorious for reception wine. Um, how does it go with salads? Perfect. Really? Yeah. We're going to number two. He's We're just trying to move us along. Us right along. Tom, Tom is very thirsty. <laughs> I've reloaded everybody with eggplant pizza. <laughs> so, um, rosé is also a chameleon in that it is being made everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, if you're, you know, oh, I don't really like French wine that much. I like Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um Everyone is making rosé. Yeah. <laughs> and our second bottle is from Spain. Oh, good. From the Basque region. Mm. Can you see that? Yeah. And thank you. This is Resibol. And um Chocolat is the grape. Mm. It is available in Blanco. And Rosso. (laughs) Oh, sort of like your business. Yeah, yeah, except on the little Spanish flair. This is very different. Mm. Yeah, Really earthy. Lots of earth. Mm. I'm not familiar with that grape. It is uh, grown in the Basque region, in the Pyrenees, in Mm. the shadow of the Pyrenees. (laughs) That sounds so romantic. It's almost like a, like a dirty Syrah, but it's light. But it's got that heavy. Yeah, it has, it has that up. undercurrent. Yeah, kind mm. of underpins it up. There's a little, um, a little minerality to it, or something too. I'm like, well, that's the whole. It's old world, mm-hmm. and um, a couple a couple of things about old world is it's. Other than fruit-driven, so the mineral, the rocks, uh, the dirt, the rotting forest floor. <laughs> Lovely. And that's all good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's what makes you happy. Is there a little green pepper in there, too? You get that? Um, well, I have terrible allergies. Mm. <laughs> so I'm not, not drilling down to get green pepper. But if it's mm. there for you, you know, you do you. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I'm not a green pepper fan, but I like this wine. Yeah. This is. She just sp- doesn't like the texture of green pepper. No, 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 no. So it's... now she can drink this and get her green <laughs> pepper fix. <laughs> but Resibol um, is a tremendously popular wine throughout the uh, Puget Sound region. Mm. And they just go through pallets and pallets and pallets. <laughs> Our, our good distributor that mm-hmm. brings this in. And they go over to Spain and spend some time yeah. with the producers. And is this the one you said is often a glass pour in restaurants? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say that this is a better drinking wine than a wine with food. Or at least with what we're eating right now. It's not really pairing that well with it. It kind of loses its punch when you when you have food with it. Well, it kind of knocked it out of the park with the Provençal. You can't do much better than French 
rosé. Yeah, no, I think um, I think it's a really delicious wine. It's just one that if I knew I was going to have it, I wouldn't put any food together with it. I'd have it as an opening. You know, everybody arrives at the event or whatever, and you start with that. I'd or... have it with an egg omelet, maybe some spicy nuts. Uh, Macrona almonds would be a no-brainer. Manchego. It might be good with cheese. Manchego. Yeah. Actually, I don't think it's bad with this, though. I just had it with primarily a bite of eggplant. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Yeah. Shrimp. Mm. <laughs> Yum. Okay. Now, is there anything different about this wine in terms of how it's made or anything? Well, it does have some fizz to it. Yeah. <laughs> So there has been a little more skilled winemaking uh, to okay. get the process for the the fizz. Okay, it's just a uh, slight, slight effervescence. It's mm-hmm. not anything like the next wine. I did notice that, <laughs> and I noticed the bubbles on the bottom of my glass too. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, it is definitely sparkly. Yeah, imagine. Sitting at some restaurant's patio overlooking Lake Union, mm-hmm. watching the seaplanes land. Yeah. With this in your hand. Not a bad thing. Yeah. I but love you know that what? patio up at Gray Monk in Kelowna. Mm. That's a, such a nice place to sit out there and just look out it's at kind the... of a long drive and we can't get in right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but worth it. <laughs> I like Gray Monk. I think we can get in. Well, in August. Oh, yeah, almost. later in the month. Yeah, they'll let you in. Can't come home, but, oh. you know. Yeah, can't come back. <laughs> Is that a problem? You're stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Our son played ice hockey for 14 years. I speak Canadian. <laughs> Let's do this. We have one more to go. Let's take mm-hmm. a little oh. break. We have two more to go. Oh, we have mm-hmm. two more to go. Oh. Well, even better. Let's take a little break, and we'll uh, refill the uh, eggplant pizza plates, and we'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. Hi, this is Carrie. I live down in Ording, and if you're ever down that way, stop in and check out Route 66 Pizza. Hi, this is Jeff Leichleiter with Tim's Cascade Snacks, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. the Seattle Dining Show, and we're continuing our adventure into rosé wines with Mina Williams from the Blanc and Rouge Wine Store in downtown Snohomish. And I believe all the wines that we're talking about today are available at the shop. Is that so? Absolutely. That would be crazy to bring things that you don't sell. Well. Craziness. <laughs> Craziness. If it was something really special, I would. Okay. Not so sure. we were talking about that, that last wine, which is called? Rezabel. And we were talking about it being from Spain and being from the Basque 
region, and what was and the that highlight? Also you includes were San Sebastian, which mm-hmm. made you start thinking about drinking, drinking what they grow. So it's it's gr- a whole European thing. So that's a seafood area. It's right on the Atlantic. Okay. Great surfing. Mm. Um, lovely seawall you can sit on and watch the surfers. Oh, I was thinking you were doing that versus surfing yourself. Mm, oh, no. <laughs> so the Basque region is located between Spain and Portugal, primarily up France. in the mountains. France. France. Oh, sorry? Oh, between France. Yeah. The Pyrenees. Okay. The Pyrenees. That's yeah. it. And, and uh, uh, obviously a, a famous region for paella. So uh, would I'm going to guess most of these rosés we're drinking would go nicely with paella, right? Uh, well, I don't think the first one would. Okay. Not strong enough. I'll let you know right. later this week. <laughs> the, uh, the third one, absolutely not. Mm. <laughs> and the fourth one, maybe. Okay. Yeah, because the third one which we're just getting into, is a little bit effervescent like number two. It is a Prosecco. Yeah, it, oh, Prosecco. it has a lot more bubbles than the Rezabel. And it is a Prosecco. This is um, the very first year that Prosecco has been allowed to be made into rosé. Really? <laughs> Italian wine law. Yeah, but oh. they've, they've allowed it. They have allowed it. The world is turning crazy. And do you yeah. think that's because of the fires in Europe as well? Um, no, they've been lobbying for it for quite some time. Oh, okay. um, and my, I brought my personal favorite, favorite from Familia Pasqua. Uh, they're in the Veneto region up by Venice. Um, and they have some, a beautiful lineup of which this Prosecco is now a member. Oh. <laughs> they have a white still wine, a red still wine. They have some um, Valpolicellas. Um, they're just, they're a lovely, lovely producer. Oh. And um, so I was real excited when our distributor came and said, well, you really like Pasqua, they have a rosé. Oh. We cannot keep this in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Every week I'm ordering another 6, another 12, another 24. Wow. <laughs> it's just crazy. So, And your husband and business partner said, take this because Connie will love it. And Connie I just want to say, it. Bruce, I don't care for it. And of course, that's a joke because I had to do it to him. It's lovely. That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's very fizzy. It's made in the Charmat method um, to get those bubbles in there and keep them there um, with a perfect stopper. This will definitely last two or three days. So oh, wow. you don't have to worry about, oh, I can't open it until I have eight friends yeah. over. I mean, I can't I never, open it unless I never, it's... ever said that. Yeah. <laughs> ever. One of my brothers said, I don't really understand what those tops are that you put on wine if you don't finish the bottle. I've, I don't know. What, what are they for? <laughs> what would that be used for? <laughs> we have a cocktail napkin in the shop. That says, oh, you were talking about a stopper. That's adorable. 
So this is, this is just totally different rosé. Um, it's sweeter, but not cloying. Mm-mm. It, I mean, this would go so well with a fruit plate, mm. wedding cake. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Dang! Now we have to get married. And I think it's a good. <laughs> I think it's another good starter. With that effervescence in it, and people arrive at the door, and you put one of those in their hand. Whenever we have an event at the shop, we always start with with bubbles, Mm -hmm. because people walk in usually holding a coffee and chewing gum. Oh. (laughs) Chewing gum. They are not ready for a wine tasting. No. So... The bubbles definitely can calibrate your palate back yeah. to You hand evenness. up a little napkin for the chewing gum so it doesn't wind up under your table? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, the other thing about this particular uh, sparklingness is that it's like a zillion tiny little bubbles on your tongue. Mm-hmm. It's not a bigger, I don't know how to explain it exactly. They're not big exactly. fat bubbles. Yeah. It's really, and it stays on your tongue for a while. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really the good. Don Ho of Prosecco. It yes, is. tiny bubbles. What an amazing connection there. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know anything Hawaiian about this wine. (laughs) There is nothing Hawaiian about this wine. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) It might go good with pineapple. You never know. Well, a fruit Fruit salad. (laughs) But, you know, I could see it going with charcuterie, too. I can... Oh, this this is... um, has prosciutto in its eyes. Yes. So speaking yeah. of the eyes, the label on this um, comes from a wall of graffiti art. Mm. <laughs> Not a wall of chewing gum. <laughs> no, no. This is Italian graffiti that's on a wall across from Juliet's balcony. Oh, really? Which, of course, she doesn't really exist. but mm-hmm. <laughs> In people's minds. Yeah. But there's a Juliet balcony in there somewhere. Yes. In, um, and, of course, someone's graffitied across the street from it. Across the street. And it's not nasty graffiti. It's all love letters. Oh, oh, okay. oh that's nice. So um, Written by Romeo. Yeah. <laughs> Every Romeo. Every Someday Romeo. Someday we'll be together again. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so um, Pasqua carried forward the... Love letter theme in this bottle as well yeah. as they're still red and still white. Oh, nice! So if you want a Valentine package, oh, that, that has it written all over it. There <laughs> you go. There you go. But it is. It's just. It's a beautiful bottle. It is, and it's a different shape. Yeah, it's a little squatty. Um, I think that has something to do with containing the bubbles mm. in a more efficient. Fashion. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a tough one to get into a conventional wine fridge, but a wine fridge like the one I just got has one shelf that has a almost a double height on it, mm. and it could fit in there. And it would fit in there and stack. Yeah, well. for wherever a Syrah bo- bottle oh, okay. or a champagne bottle. Yeah, mm-hmm. the shoulders are a little bit wider, but I haven't had any problem putting it in the racks at mm. the store. Mm. So okay. Yeah. Except that people keep taking it out of the rack. Yes, they keep messing up my merchandising. <laughs> Don't mess up those my people. racks and get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> that lady has a lot of good wine, but she is mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll part with a bottle or two every now and again. 
Oh, moving on. I gotta. Moving on to bottle number four. This one is from the Evergreen State. Mm. And it's from our one of our favorite winemakers, Mr. Chris Gorman. Oh, yes. And this is called The Devil Wears Pink. I love it. And that goes with his The Devil Wears um, Red. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he has a, a devil. Oh, um, so he has devil lineup. wines. Yeah, devil oh, wines. Okay. They're devilishly good. They have, a nice, uh, they have a nice Halloween party every year, I hope. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> and remembered it, so I wasn't really there. <laughs> no, no cameras allowed. <laughs> so Chris is noted for his passion for rock and roll and music. Oh. <clears throat> he is not the only winemaker, huh? No. <laughs> yeah. As they say, it takes a lot of beer to make wine. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's taste this one. Now this these was, are all pretty light on the nose. This was very hard to get. Oh, really? Because he, he doesn't make? He does not make very much of it. And mm. I smile sweetly and ask with a please and a thank you. And mm-hmm. Uh, you got some. And I did get some. Mmm, that's tasty. A little sweeter. Uh, no effervescence. Goes mm. nice with the food. I like it. Mm-hmm. And it also comes from one of Washington's heritage vineyards, Boucher. Oh, oh I love that. So Dick Boucher and his family grew this. Wow. <clears throat> so the Boucher Vineyard is in Yakima Valley. Uh, whereabouts? Um, it's closer to Yakima and Prosser, so kind of in in that, and okay. and on the south side of the freeway. Gotcha. Okay, we were just over there, so that yeah. that'd be kind of up near uh, <sighs> Mapton area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we noticed as we drove. Between Bickleton and Mapton, that there were some vineyards that were, they looked like they were maybe about five or ten years old, and they were north facing off that hill. When you come down out of Bickleton, they were actually on the north side of the hill, but it's not that steep of a hill. But um, not very often you see people growing north angled vineyards. I know they do it up on Red Mountain, too. But you may be seeing more of that. I think so. Just because yeah. land is we at a premium? We ran out of uh, south-facing hills. Yeah. There's also, um, when you plant a vineyard, you have to think 20, 30 years out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with um, the globe warming, mm. this will mitigate a lot of sunburn. Yeah. Mm. There's probably all kinds of good minerality in that soil because it's never been grown on. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know the specific site, yeah. but because it used to be apple orchards, mm. mm-hmm. or um, Concord grape, right? Very popular over but, on uh, West Yakima. Yeah, yeah, and but Boucher is one of not only is it just one of the standards that Washington set to be a world-class wine-growing producer, Mm -hmm. producing uh, area. Um, 
but the Boucher family is just oh. lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and their daughter's a pretty good winemaker. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I love it when the whole family yeah. ends up yeah. in it. And uh, my favorite part of their, well, I have two favorites. One is the Riesling, which is on the top um, ridge. And the other is the uh, Cap Franc, which is down by the road, kind of in this, it's mm. being hugged by the Cabernet. Oh, wow. <laughs> and but she's making it, huh? She's making one? She is making it. Wow. Yeah, she's really good. <laughs> is she doing it like under a Boucher lab- label or is it um, something else? There is Train Station mm. is one that um, we love. A lot. <laughs> a lot, a lot. <clears throat> and then she is making some other other things as well. So mm. it's kind of nice when the family's planting, growing, and producing yeah. the, and the end product. Over the years, it's changed, too. People who just grew and did nothing else have gotten more into right. it. You've seen it more over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Yeah. And then um, there's a couple that used to grow and produce, but... They've decided it's hard work to make wine, and it's hard enough to just to be a farmer. Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> um, oh. Can't tell Uh-oh. you. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> no. Uh, Upland Vineyards um, on, on Snipes Mountain oh, okay. is one in particular. Okay. Uh, but he just grows such great fruit. Oh, God. That, you know, he doesn't need to be making wine. He, yeah, he's got his passion and what he's great at and he has um a little stretch uh in the vineyard of some exceedingly old vines and they look like little pony legs oh my gosh they're They're that thick they're fat and gnarly and (laughs) oh wow that's where the good stuff is yeah yeah this wine to me is really interesting because it's light tastes like a rosé i mean it's Mm -hmm. but it's a light thing but when you eat it with the food it pairs like a regular wine to yeah. me. It's mm-hmm. got a different um, connection to the food. Yeah, yeah. A very Absolutely. nice food wine with what we're eating. Thank you, Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I love about Snipes Mountain? You drive up there and you point your car downward and the car goes backwards up the hill. <laughs> I And classical tasting-wise, we should have had the French and then Chris's Washington mm-hmm. and then Rezabel and the Prosecco. In terms of light to darker, right. heavier. But I was trying to tell a story of global. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate that. So Washington would be the baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I, all all mm. of them are really good and all... Quite different, actually. Yep. So we have France, Spain, Italy, and Washington. Mm. I love how you do this when you come. It's wonderful. (laughs) I think you just really like the the wine. I do like the wine. It's true. (laughs) And pizza bites. (laughs) Let's see. What else do we need to know? Obviously, that they can come do. What's your address in Snohomish? We are on the corner of First and Union, right across from the famous Snohomish Bakery. Yes. Where everybody goes for the double-baked almond croissants. Which is why they come into your place with a cup of coffee in their hand. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> now, are you back to, you know, pandemic things? Are you back to doing tastings and dinners? You were doing a lot of that before. We're doing tastings. We're doing classes. Mm. We have yet to venture out into dinners. We are doing a global wine showcase on August 22nd, which mm. is a Sunday. And it's two sessions. The first session is New World. So not only Washington and California, but we also have South Africa, New oh. Zealand, Tasmania, um, and some other surprises. And then uh, the second session from uh, one, 1 to 3 is the New World, and 4 to 6 is the Old World. And we have all the old world. Oh, wow. <laughs> we have Italy, Spain, France. Um, I think we have some Hungarian oh as gosh. well. And Blackwood Canyon, right? <clears throat> um, <laughs> that was old world, wasn't it? Maybe next time. Okay. <laughs> I'm busy that day. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, visit the website. Okay. Blanc and Rouge Wine dot com and you can find out all the information and find out how to get tickets it is a ticketed event because of just coming out of covid we have kept the attendance level at a sparse minimum mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> to be safe well i'll make a comment <clears throat> now that i'm able to put two and two together um you guys i know have always done some wonderful wine dinners that we've never been up to attend. And That's our fault. In the meantime, during the pandemic, I actually stayed in Snohomish two nights up at the Snohomish Inn. And, uh, yeah, I know, I saw you squint. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's kind of like a Motel 6. That's kind of what it is. And, and you could go to the wine dinner. You could take your chance on an Airbnb. There isn't a lot of accommodations in the area but uh, I would love to come to a wine dinner where you get them going again, and I'll just stay at the Snohomish Inn because I don't care where I sleep. There, there are many B Airbnbs in town, and okay. there is a six-room hotel under construction. Mm. Okay. That'd be fun. But uh, I know with the Snohomish Inn, and they're not paying me to talk about this now, but I can walk uh, to there from your shop. It's about, what, four or five blocks? Yeah. No yep. big deal. As long as you can walk four or five blocks, you can get to bed. <laughs> so uh, that, that actually looks like an option for us, and, and we do want to come up when you get the wine dinner started you again. Bet. Yeah, it, it was a challenging year and a half, um, mm. and we're you know sticking our toe in the water, you know, in case we need to revert to previous restrictions. Yeah, it, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like you think you can move on, and then maybe maybe you can't, but maybe you can't. Our staff got fed really well twice. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We just filled the refrigerator oh, <laughs> both <gone>. times. <laughs> All right. Oh, my. We, we got to take a break here, but I do want to thank Mina for coming down here You're today. You're so welcome. This is really fun. And uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Hi, this is Angela, and I live in Finney Ridge, and my favorite restaurant right now is Eight Row in Green Lake. Uh, great restaurant, a lot of featuring, uh, feature a lot of uh, Northwest Washington foods and just delicious, delicious um, cuisine and get the pie. 
Hi, this is Chef Stefan Borgon from Paragon, Seattle, up on Queen Anne, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Seattle Dining Show, and we don't like to leave the show without giving the listeners a few tips and tricks, and it's always fun when we have a special guest on the show that they stick around, and you're, you're going to get an extra bonus tip and trick this time around. Uh, Mina is here with us, and she has some tips and tricks to share with the listeners, Connie has something, and then I have something. We're going to let Mina go first. Oh, guests go first. Okay. You're Um, grateful. Last week, we were introduced to a producer of an aperitif wine in Sonoma County, and they're called Jardesca, and they have a white and a red. And it works a lot like vermouth, and you shouldn't be afraid of vermouth. (laughs) Ice, Ice cubes this aperitif or a vermouth mm-hmm. and then a mint sprig mm. very simple if you want to get really fancy you can add a little club soda and it makes a drink that is almost as refreshing as rosé boy that must have made her like everybody jump back you can you're mixing up wine with with vermouth and mint sprigs no wine oh no wine no, the Jardesca is a, a is a wine product. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the vermouth is not Separate. a wine pri- product. Yeah. So everybody jump back. And then you put ice in it too, right? Yeah. Ice. Yeah, or oh, jump back again. Oh, he's looking for a pat on the back for putting ice in his wine. I love to put ice in my wine. Everybody knows it when yeah, they so hear Yes, so does my talk. auntie. <laughs> well, he's almost her age, so... <laughs> So, Connie, you got something to add to that. Right? I was just going to say that um, we like to grow things. And in mine, I tell this story too. You just had a whole hedge of basil in your in New York. When we lived in Manhattan, uh, off of the kitchen window was a window box, and every year I would plant it with basil, and it would grow about to you know the middle part of the window. And these were you know ten foot ceilings. So amazing. Yeah, we had a hedge off the kitchen window. Uh, Moved back home to Seattle, and I can't grow basil, but I think I might have figured it out this year. So I just bought a new basil plant, and I don't have good luck with basil. And I thought, you know, I've never really like stopped and looked out, looked up how to trim basil, and I did that. And I think I'm going to have better luck this time because. You can't cut it below six inches. You have to let five sprigs happen. And then anything above that, you can cut it. And uh, you don't tear off the leaves because the plant's super sensitive. Mm. And so it it just prefers a nice set of scissors. Uh. I'm kind of the same way. You know, if the doctor says, well, you know, your arm's got to come off. <laughs> 
I could do it. I could pull it off, or I could like take this nice scalpel and take the whole thing. I think I'll take the scalpel. You know, I you, think your basil plant's a little too sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was thinking about was that we started doing this because it's fun. Number one. And we like to cook, so it's fun to go out and harvest your own stuff right on, on your deck. We live in condos. Um, but even at that, it's sometimes more than you can use. So the other day I was offering to my neighbors. I have a, one neighbor who says she's known as a plant killer. Um, so, you know, but it's nice to be able to say, hey, if you need some chives, if you need some green onions, if you need some thyme, mm-hmm. some basil... You need a tablespoon or something. Don't go down to the store and buy the whole package for three ninety eight, and you throw, you know, three fourths of it away. Just let me know, and I'll cut you some. And it's kind of nice to have that. I like that too. Yeah. <clears throat> I um, like to go to my herb garden and make bouquets for people. Oh, that's a good idea. And then I, well, in the old days, I would wrap them in newspaper and twine. You know, now oh, I, I kind of use shopping bags. <laughs> Yeah, you, you kind of figured Brown out paper. that newsprint wasn't really something that your friends should be ingesting, right? Well, there just isn't much newsprint around. Yeah, well, it's all true. online. Just wrap it up in an old laptop. <laughs> not using this anymore. Uh, you know, I live in a condo, and what I've done is planted around the condo. I have sage, I have thyme, I have rosemary. And so the neighbors know where to go. And they don't have to spend three or four dollars on a, uh, you know, a bunch of base or a bunch of like rosemary that they'll only use one or two sprigs. So that's been nice to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, my tip this month is uh, during the heat wave, uh, my fridge and my wine refrigerator pretty much couldn't keep up. And half side of my wine refrigerator died. And so all the reds really got in the heat wave. And so I had to buy a new wine fridge. And I started looking at the same kind of wine fridge. And I know you've had this issue where you ha- you just blow up all your wine fridges. And uh, I actually spent double on a smaller wine fridge than I would have in the past. Uh, so instead of buying the wine enthusiast or whatever name you can't even enunciate that's on the internet <laughs> website, uh, I did go out and buy a nice GE wine fridge because the problem with GE products is I can't break them. <laughs> I usually replace them before I can break them. I had a, a range that I got from GE, supposed to last like 15 years. I had it for 21 years, still going. But uh, uh, so, anyways, the tip is when it comes to wine refrigerators, beware of all the funky little El Cheapo brands. And if you're really serious about it, spend the money and get a, a quality brand that has good longevity. One of the things that you found too that was odd, I thought, was that he thought, well, if if it's just some little part I can replace, I'll replace the part. There are no part replacements for these things. No, they're gone. Well, they were sold out. Oh. You could see it online, but it was gray because oh. you couldn't buy it anymore. <laughs> All right. So. All right. Well, you know what? I think it's time to wrap up. So thank you for joining us on the show this month. Thank you, Mina, for being here. Thank you. 
And if you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. We want you to dine well, dine often, make good meals at home, and we will see you back here for the September show. And pair it with wine from Blanc and Rouge. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, a Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show